This episode of Commune Dads is brought to you by Twin Oaks Hammocks. Visit TwinOaksHammocks.com and use the coupon code DADS, that's capital D-A-D-S, for 10% off your entire order. Hello everyone, welcome to Commune Dads, a podcast about parenting and education in alternative culture. I'm Adder Oaks, father of Connor, age one, and stepfather of Ellis, age five. And I'm Keegan, father of Sersha, seven months. We are here to share our parenting journey with you and hope to have fun doing it. So welcome to the eighth episode. Um, This week we'll be covering siblings again. We'll have a special guest, Ezra, who's another parent on the farm. He's the father of Sammy and Zadok. And before we do that, we'll be going over an article from the blog Thing of Things um, about that will address issues with science and parenting, um, specifically the topic of breastfeeding. After that, we'll be doing What's Up on the Farm and closing with recommendations. Um, first, I'd like to make our usual exhortation to follow us on social media so you can like our page on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Also, just if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to it on whatever podcast app you prefer. And you can also support us monetarily. Visit communedads.com slash support for more info on how to do that. You could send us some money through PayPal or become a patron on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. So to open our episode today, we're going to be taking a look at a blog post that will bring us soundly into the center of uh, what's known as the Mommy Wars, uh, and we'll be talking about something that that us guys don't have a whole lot of direct experience with, and that is breastfeeding. Um, we found this great uh, blog post entitled, The Fed is Best Foundation Encourages Mommy Guilt Through Bad Science. So the the article itself is actually, I think, much more balanced than than that uh, title suggests. Um, but the short of it is that the the Fed is Best Foundation, which is an organization advocating for uh, women who aren't breastfeeding and wanting to make sure that the world understands that in plenty of cases formula feeding is better for children. What was the beginning clause of my sentence? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so that's what the Fed is Best Foundation is trying to do. And so they find themselves butting up against the pro-breastfeeding organizations. Um, I'm not sure if they're mentioned by name in here, but the one that comes to mind is La Leche League. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are I've never heard the term mommy wars. I think I've heard of the La Leche League. <laughs> um, um, how have you heard about all this before? I I listen to parenting podcasts. Oh, you do right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so there's this is a very touchy subject, uh, and I think in a big part because women on both sides of this divide feel shamed by some members of the public, about their breastfeeding decisions. Yeah, so in this article, Ozzy of 
thingofthings.wordpress.com discusses a, a recent letter by Dr. Del Castillo Hegi, who's the founder of the Fed is Best Foundation, in which an anecdote about a health issue, and I believe in particular the development of of cognitive disorders uh, such as autism, ADHD, and sensory processing disorder. She she attributes these to a situation in infancy in which unsuccessful breastfeeding resulted in dehydration of this kid. So we're at this blog reading this page for a particular reason other than because we follow blogs about breastfeeding, right? This is, <laughs> in some sense, like we mentioned, this is an unusual topic for us to be covering and... It's also worth noting that we do intend to have episodes with our partners about these kinds of topics in general. I think we uh, we like this post because it's it's incidentally about breastfeeding, but primarily about the way that parents come to make rational choices about their parenting styles. And it seems like among scientifically minded parents, there is there is and has been something in the air about breastfeeding being unquestionably the best thing to do in all circumstances, period. Uh, at least that's how it sounds rhetorically, if not in the trenches of discussion. And that there's been a recent shift, at least among Aussie's crowd, um, a number of blogs that are related to this one, where it's suddenly become obvious that the science actually doesn't favor this in all cases. There's a number of reasonable situations where breastfeeding is not best. And, and so people have started switching sides mm-hmm. Uh sort of as like a flag flying, I'm more rational than you, rather than looking at the real evidence. Right? And this this post is meant to, I guess, calm everyone down or like get them to like, there is no flag to fly here. Breastfeeding is unquestionably a wonderful thing to do in many or most situations where it is a, a possibility. And there are equally great reasons to not breastfeed if the circumstances are different, right? And so I, is it accurate? Like we're in, we're interested in this because of this sort of flag waving dispute science aspect of it, right? Right. I think that that the author of the post does a good job of pointing to you know scientific studies on on both sides, and I think has the conclusion that like breastfeeding has on average shown you know, minor benefits, mm-hmm. uh, which is not. Not that radical a claim, right. and they make clear that you know people who aren't breastfeeding shouldn't be shamed. Again, there are plenty of situations in which that is best, um, and some of the commenters are disputing that. Um, but I think what's like so refreshing about reading this blog is that that they are disputing it on a scientific basis Mm -hmm. um and yeah not that i think like all of our problems are going to be solved by pulling up peer-reviewed studies and pointing to them Mm -hmm. but the the discourse is so much better than like i don't know just the shit i see on facebook where it's like this baby died because of this or you know yeah just these these extreme anecdotes um where the the link is not always clear or even if it is even if it is like this baby died because they were breastfed mm-hmm. or breastfed poorly and that didn't work out. Like, that one case, I mean, that one case should give us pause. It should make us say, 
yeah, breastfeeding isn't always best. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to, you know, swing to the other side and wave a flag. Right. Exactly. And I think this this post, uh, right, we're excited about it because it, they're using research well. And I think that's something we're trying to do sometimes on our podcast. <laughs> um, and I always feel like, like when I read someone like Ozzy's posts, I'm like, ah, I'm so I have so far to go before I am uh, able to really know how to use scientific research well for my own parenting stuff. Yeah, I, I think there's only one case in which on our show we did a pretty good job of using the research, which uh-huh. was the, uh, the the kids and sharing one. Uh-huh. Um, like, I think that's the only one where we read the entire paper and right. um, and talked about the details of the experiment. Right. I mean, there's another one that referenced research. And we often, if we're not going over research, we'll at least talk about seems to be something that's present in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Sure. So I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down with Lily. Uh, Lily's a, an eight-year-old who lives on the commune that we, we talk about on our show, though I think it's been a couple episodes since she's been mentioned. Our main topic today is siblings, uh, and Lily is a kid at Twin Oaks that, that does not have any siblings, but you know, I think there's this common notion that that having peers in community is a lot like having a sibling. Right. Um, so I, I have, I took a few minutes to sit down with her and, and hear her thoughts about it. Here's that talk. Hi, Lily. Thank you for joining us. Hi. So today on our episode, we're talking about siblings, you know, having brothers and sisters, um, which at Twin Oaks can be a lot different than in the mainstream. Yes. Um, But you don't have any brothers or sisters. No, I have none. How do you feel about that? Um, Sometimes it's kind of weird sleeping alone at night. Um, Yes, but I do have a lot of sleepovers. Right. So I guess sleepovers are pretty easy here because you're yeah. sleeping over with people that like live in your house. Yeah. But also it's kind of different because you're sleeping in a different room than them. So my friends Zadik and Sammy, um, I do sleepovers with them a lot. And I do sleepovers with my friend Cleo, too. So a lot of people say that... that all the kids on the commune are sort of like siblings with each other. Yeah, but it's also kind of like, you they're not really siblings. When you have a real sibling, it feels different. That's my experience. And, well, I don't really have any experiences, but my experience with seeing other people that, are, that have siblings do, it's different for them. Yeah, so like Sam and Zad, they're brothers yeah. and they're closest to your age. Yeah. What do you think they have with siblings that like you're not getting? I think that they sleep a lot of the time in the same room and they get to talk and things like that. But like with me, if I don't if I'm not having a sleepover with them, I can't really talk with anyone. So that's a big difference. Yeah, that's something I remember from my childhood. Yes. I have I have three brothers, and we would, um, 
I, at various times, was sharing rooms with different ones of them. Um, sometimes my older brother, or for a while I was sharing a room with my two younger brothers. <laughs> and it was always nice to be able to kind of stay up a little extra late yes. and talk about stuff. I mean, my friend is... My friend Cleo doesn't have any siblings either, so... Yeah. And she's she's right around your age. She's about a year off from you. She's two years. She's two years off. She actually was born on the same day as me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when you two first met. Because Cleo didn't grow up here. She she moved to the, the communities in the area a couple yeah. of years ago. We met three years ago at anniversary. Yeah. Anniversary, by the way, is Twin Oaks' greatest... Uh, homegrown holiday we celebrate it every summer it's the the anniversary of the founding of the community yes um before this was made before all of the buildings were made it was just one little farmhouse so it's hard to believe that it was it became a huge community yeah and we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year this year so, so if anyone is listening that knows like that knows us then they're, they're might, they might come. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess a lot of our listeners are probably people that know us. Where this anniversary is, I mean, it's always invite only, and we're trying not to get too mobbed with all the people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, I, I want a sister, but I don't want a younger sister. I want a sister the same age as me. Yeah, I or think, a brother. Yeah, Cleo's probably the closest you'll get, though she doesn't. Yeah. You know, she lives over at Acorn Community, yeah. which is a few miles away. Yeah, um, but she comes over quite often. We do a little school, and she comes over for that. She also comes over to have sleepovers with Sammy and Zach. One of the big benefits of having a sibling is that you have to so- share things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say that you have someone, that there's someone older to, like, to teach you and to show you and to, to be a good example. And sometimes I think that Ellis is really lucky to have you to hang out with because you you teach him a lot of games. And, and I guess he teaches you some of his games, too, but you, you're sort of a good older kid example for him to... Um, yeah. I think that having a sibling, you have to share a lot of things. But when you don't have a sibling, you don't really have to share anything. You don't have to share a bed. You don't have to share other things like that. You don't have to share all your toys. But sometimes sharing toys is nice. Also, the bigger person, if you have a bigger brother or sister, kind of can help protect you, kind of feels like. Sometimes. Yeah, I, I definitely see, like, Sam and Zad almost mm-hmm. always stick up for each other. Like, yeah. they'll fight each other and say mean things to each other, but mm-hmm. if someone else says something mean to one of them, usually the other one will sort of step in to defend yeah. them. Well, that's kind of nice when you have a brother or sister. Connor and Ellis, at some point, are probably going to share a room. And when I think about sharing stuff, that's going to be so hard because... At least, you know, for the next couple of years, Connor, if he sees, say, a set of train tracks set up, yeah. he'll just want to take them apart and chew Destroy on them. Destroy them, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 
this room that um Adder is in right now um has two compartments. So this is the room that Ellis and Connor are going to move into. Yeah, the way it's set up right <clears throat> now is that there's a there's a main area in the room and then sort of a small area that you can have a bed and a little bit else there. So that's where Connor sleeps right now and then that can have its door closed and then I can be in my main room. But yeah, when they they'll probably move in here. I'm thinking we'll just give them like bunks in there and then yeah. uh and then they'll just have a kind of big play area. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool and yeah, nice. Okay, Lily, thank you for doing this interview with us. I hope we can have you on more episodes. Okay, bye! Enjoy the show! Or more. Thank you. Listen to more episodes! Okay, now on to our main segment, where we will be discussing what it is like to have kids who are siblings, and what difference it makes being on a commune. We're joined by our guest, Ezra Freeman. Say hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, and as we mentioned, he's the father of Sammy and Zadik, who mm-hmm. I think we talk about more than any other kids, maybe even more mm-hmm. than our own. So I think an interesting place to start is, Ezra, do you think it's the case that having siblings as kids makes their lives better right. or or would it be right. better if they were only children? Right. Well, it's an interesting one, right? Because at Twin Oaks, one of the things people say is you have this peer group of kids that are almost like siblings. Maybe you're living in the same house and maybe you see each other every day. But then when you have kids that really are siblings, have the same parent or parents, like, what is that difference? Is there sort of a closeness that's there, you know, a relationship that's there that they don't get even with somebody who's very close that they that they live with in the hallway. Uh, in my case, I think it is that way. And I sometimes wonder how much you can generalize and how much it's about the personality of the specific kids. I'm curious, have you earlier on the show talked about the whole child approval process? The whole... No. <laughs> okay, because so, yeah. that's a whole other... Yeah, do you want to give a summary topic. of that? We can touch on it, yeah. Oh, boy. A summary of it. Well, that at Twin Oaks, because the community is sort of through hours and money funding the raising of all the children, people are supposed to, before they have kids, put in a request approval from the community to have a child. And then that approval only lasts for one child. Then if you have a kid and say you want to have another kid... Well, you have to do it all over again, either with the same partner or sometimes with a different partner. I think this is something we're all, you guys have all gone through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think most people, when they first hear about this, uh, this is mm -hmm. the kind of weirdest sounding part of of the way we do things here. Mm -hmm. Right. I talk about it. I do the tour for the visitors when the visitors are here. And as we walk by Daganya, uh, Mm -hmm. I give them the shtick about our visitor pro- I mean, about the the child program here and how it's gone and how it's changed. I try and be really careful to explain it in such a way that makes us not sound culty still. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the one controlling people's reproduction yeah. uh, sounds bad almost mm-hmm. any way you spin it. 
It's yeah. shocking. People are, when people yeah. hear it, they're shocked. They're like, really? Mm-hmm. You can't just have a kid <laughs> or two or three or however many you want. Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe there have been cases where this has happened. I don't know if Twin Oaks, you know, turns people away. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there are some cases where someone's like, I want to have a baby. And, you know, the child board says, well, there are these concerns from the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think either they address them or maybe they decide not to mm-hmm. have a baby. But mm-hmm. uh, I think it's more of like, a, you know, do these steps to make sure you know what you're getting mm-hmm. into. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, most importantly, that I think, uh, as we touched on this, is the economic aspect of it. it. Like, it costs a lot to raise a kid, and we're all sharing the costs of everything here. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to make economic sense, at least, to want to ask these questions before there's any more kids in the farm. Mm-hmm. And from the point of view of the community, it seems like people more have issues with how many hours it takes to raise a kid. Right. Because actually, we're very economical as far as how much we spend on the kids. It's a tiny fraction of what people outside of community spend on their kids. Yeah. But but in terms of hours, we're not. We put a lot of time into our kids. Sure. Yeah. I was sort of raising it because Mala and I have thought that we might be outliers at Twin Oaks as far as being a couple that went through pregnancy approval, had a child, waited a couple of years, then went through the approval process again to have a second child. Mm-hmm. You know, full siblings, same dad, same mom. Mm-hmm. Both of them actually approved beforehand. Yeah. I mean, I think all the other kids that have siblings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's, you know, a couple cases of, of like, divorced parents having mm-hmm. kids with new partners. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's my case. A lot of half-siblings. Um, and then I guess, I don't know, I, I can think of one pair of siblings that right. uh, are from the same parents that maybe mm-hmm. was just a not going through process. Yes, right. the second one was a little bit, it was the whoops child. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Some of my best friends were accidents. <laughs> uh, and it's worth noting that we, we handle those seeming, at least from my perspective, has been pretty graceful. It's not like there's, I don't remember any strong censure from the community about it. Yeah. There's a sense of, you know, you fucked up, you missed the right, you didn't go through the right process, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're a horrible person. Yeah. Right. To be sure, we've never kicked a pregnant woman out of the community right. because we didn't approve of her pregnancy. Right. Yeah. You know, so... Oh, gosh, where am I getting So, okay, so when you were going through process the second time, like, why was it that you wanted another kid? Right. Well, that was interesting because... One of the things that Mala had pointed out a while ago is that Twin Oaks seems to attract people from large families, which is an interesting, you know, people, a lot of members have one or more siblings. Like, there are proportionally smaller numbers of only children. What's all of ours? ours I've got three brothers. Yeah, I've got one brother and one sister. I've got one brother, one sister. I mean, Mm -hmm. though, I do think most kids mm -hmm. in the country grow up with at least one sibling. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was, uh, well, I mean, the current number is, I thought it was 1.5, or slightly less than 1.5 children per wow. set of parents. And maybe that was different, you know, 30 years ago. But. Yeah. but, you know, so at the very beginning of the whole, like, we're going to have kids process, it was always, we were going to have one, and then we were going to wait a little while, and then have another. You know, because for both of us, our siblings are 
you know, as adults are like a big part of our lives and, you know, some of our closest people and also the relief of knowing we're not going to have to be the only ones dealing with our parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody else's problem too. Uh, you know, so then we're like, oh, one world, wouldn't it be nice if there's two people that were their problems <laughs> yeah. instead of just one? Uh, no, but but more than that, I think we sort of saw it as a gift to each of the kids in a way. Like, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you get older and you make friends and you lose friends and you go through life, you realize that, like, I guess in our case, maybe not in every family, that there is this bond of relationship that, that sort of sticks even into adulthood. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we were thinking that through. I was like, oh, well, there will be two of them in whatever craziness, you know, the world is in in 20 years or 30 years. At least there's going to be two of them. Hopefully, you know, with a good relationship, hopefully good, being good to each other. And in our case, it's, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's my impression. I mean, that, that right now, Zedek and Sam are, they're closer friends than I ever was with my brother. Partly, you know, maybe because, you know, we had more direct age peers. You know, I mostly hung out with kids within, you know, eight months either side of my age. Where I think one of the things you've touched on is on the commune, you know, a year, two years, three years is not as big a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you have yeah, you've only got a couple kids within a few mm-hmm. years. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like the five-year-olds can hang out with the eight-year-olds, can hang out with the 11-year-olds, and it's... It's more of a pack rather than, than age stratified. So that goes for them. They're three and a half years apart, but they, they've they created this, this brother world that increasingly, even when I'm hanging out with them, I'm just spectator, you know, barely understanding the rules of the game. They're just like completely in the zone, the brother zone, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so like mm-hmm. what about, I mean, I guess this is true of a lot of sibling relationships. Like, I notice they're close, and they spend time together, and mm-hmm. they, like, you know, they stick up for each other. Mm-hmm. But then they also, like, I'll, like, kind of... There was one day recently where they they came into the room, like, throwing punches at each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, they... I don't think more so than mm-hmm. you would expect siblings, but they're, like, pretty high conflict with each other. Yeah. But I wonder, I mean, I, I feel like for brothers, I almost seem like less than, I mean, I don't know. I just sort of expect that brothers, like they're fighting all the time. <laughs> I, don't, you know? I don't remember growing up. Like my brother and I, we, we had conflicts, but we were never, as far as I remember, we were never like punching each other. Yeah. Uh, it never happened. Oh man. <laughs> I think it's cause it's like, it's hard to get, maybe it's just that hard. It's hard to get a rise out of me enough mm-hmm. to punch someone. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe yeah. that was it. But and we like, we like fought with boxing gloves on, I remember at the beach we had these little plastic knives that uh, mm-hmm. you stab someone with them and it, it automatically retracts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we like had knife fights, you know, <laughs> that sometimes went amiss. But. Yeah, I, the thing I've noticed with the kids here recently that that I experienced in my mm-hmm. childhood is like friendly play fighting, mm-hmm. but then like not actually good. You know boundaries and rules set up right. so that like one time the kid you know nails someone where it hurts and then they get mm-hmm. upset and right. and try to hurt them back. Yeah, and you wonder. I mean, with siblings, like the rules for fighting in a way are a little bit different. Like like if Zad was playing with any of the other kids around Sam's age and was like hitting on him the way he will, I'd be like, hey dude, like 
stop, like, hands off, like, you can't do that. But with Sam, I'm a little bit like, well, they're brothers, like, <laughs> I mean, for Sam, he, he goes back, you know, he gets him back just as hard, right. you know. I mean, more often it's the older kid that's in tears because, you know, <laughs> like, ah, oh, Sam hurt me, I'm bleeding. <laughs> uh, do we, but, are we, or are you, Ezra, failing at Twin Oaks's value of nonviolence in raising <laughs> your kids? That's such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think that on a large level, I think we are doing a good job in teaching them that violence as a problem solving tool is a, is an ineffective problem solving, you know, that it, that it causes more problems than it solves, you know, and I think that we're doing a pretty good job teaching them sort of anti-militarism, anti-war, you know, insofar as, you know, we're teaching like current events and history and that sort of thing. And I, but as far as just like wrestling each other or, you know, the idea of fighting as a personal thing being cool. I don't know how to... I don't know fighting how to... Fighting is like, just so cool. I can't... Yeah. I don't know how to tell them otherwise. No. You know, like, they get a piece of foam, and, you know, they're just like, oh, I just want to, like, wail on someone with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you can teach that out of kids at 8 years old or 11 years old or what age. You just... You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, if you're still doing that when you're a grown-up, like... It's kind of lame. <laughs> you should know that there's a professional organization yeah. of people that I used to hang out with yeah. that make weapons out of foam and beat each other with them. Um, right. I so. mean, right. And there's yeah, like but, all the but S- you're totally yeah. a dork if you do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. And there's the SCA people and the plate mail. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, swords wrapped in duct tape and they. You know, but is that violence? I mean, it's fun. I mean, I guess it's violence. But I, I don't think of that as violence. I, I think, yeah. I don't think so either. Though I do think you know what I. What I'd like to teach the kids that I think we do a better job than the mainstream at, but not as good as my ideal, is teaching them, like, clear consent negotiations Mm -hmm. around that. Mm -hmm. Like, they could say, like, let's have a play fight, and if I say this word, then we stop. Or, like, what Mm -hmm. are our ground rules? Mm -hmm. No hitting each other in the face. Mm -hmm. And, like, those, those negotiations don't happen. They sort of, they just friendly evolve. In, you know, pushing and shoving and starting to fight, and then all of a sudden, a kid is in tears. Uh-huh. I mean, it is like, so, I think Twin Oaks kids, they seem to have pretty strong abilities to set boundaries that I don't see in other kids. They do the things like, I'm taking space right now, stop mm-hmm. talking to me. And like, I've never heard a kid before Twin Oaks say, I'm, I need space, yeah, and then um, it's offered to them, even by the adults. Yeah. Um, so, I do think that they get, either by osmosis or by direct teaching about this, they learn how to de-escalate things and how to take space. Yeah. I mean, they're also like, I mean, I know this is a little off topic, but I feel like kids at Twin Oaks are treated with a certain amount of respect, certainly like linguistic and intellectual respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're spoken to in complete sentences using like adult vocabulary from a very early age. And, you know, and surprise you know they're they're smart and they get it and they can like speak like adults in full sentences i don't know they you know like i know you know when we go off the farm and talk to people well sometimes more like sam like that can do the deaf mute thing sometimes but people will hear sam be like wow he's like it's so advanced in the way he speaks or the vocabulary he uses and it's like well because 
people basically have used adult vocabulary around him his whole life. Like, yeah, people don't it, dumb things down to the kids, and, right? And then, and then it helps him, you know, and the adults mm-hmm. interacting with him in in negotiating things and in working things out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a humbling experience when you mm-hmm. set a rule or you say something to a kid and they respond respond calmly with an explanation as to why they think mm-hmm. the rule should be otherwise. And you're mm-hmm. like, crap, you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, right, they out-argue. They're not yeah. just like, no, don't like. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, though, of course, yeah. Twin X kids do plenty of that yeah, as well. Yeah, they, yeah they'll yeah. right. But it's, you know, but it's like going back on, I mean, it's interesting to look at more at this question of like, what does the family unit mean in the context of the community? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you look at it sort of in a historical context where early on at Twin Oaks, there was a whole active decision made to try and, like, minimize the family unit. Mm -hmm. You know, that there was a whole push towards, like, the children of the community are of the community. They're not the children of mom and dad, and they're not raised in the nuclear family unit. You know, that, you know, they all live together, and there's the the meta program, the child care program, and looking how that's changed over the years to then, of you know, for a couple of kids, you know, sort of in my early years before my time, where it went back pretty far towards a very nuclear family, private, you know, private family model of raising kids. And these families, there was not a great deal of collective child care at that point. You mm-hmm. know, it was, they ate with their parents every day. They ate at home every day. They didn't have a lot of primaries. Yeah, man. I, sometimes I I wish that that my family. I mean, maybe we'll try this when mm-hmm. when Connor is a little bit older. That we would eat. That we would have some sort of family meal mm-hmm. because that's like that's something I remember from my childhood. And at Twin Oaks, it's like you get to ZK, the dining hall. Everyone gets their food, and then like. Like, ten minutes into the meal, everyone's in a different mm-hmm. place. Uh, you know, myself included, yeah. like, talking to people about work and checking in mm-hmm. with with someone. And then, like, you know, Ellis will take this opportunity to, to run off and go play mm-hmm. outside. And Connor will mm-hmm. get all fussy. And one of his primaries will pick him up and mm-hmm. start playing with him. Mm-hmm. I do think we have, yeah. we have, there's two families I can think of. Trout's family and Scott's family both do... Uh, meals together with the kids, even in ZK. Mm-hmm. I think every day that they are here. Yeah, I like that idea as well. The The French parenting book that we mentioned a few times back, mm-hmm. they explicitly recommend meals together in this way that I think got right. Megan excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I doubt it'll be like a daily thing, but I'm definitely, right. it seems like a wholesome and good <laughs> thing to have meals with your family. Right. But it's, you know, but I think, you know, from the context of the community, I think things were almost intentionally set up against that you know i mean i think the the idea and the plan of the community was that you know the kids you know there's the child dining room all the families with kids were together or that you're just sort of interspersed with the general population and not necessarily with your family i mean i think it was going back to like when tom and thea had had jonah and gwen and they were very young and and i think they were doing the they were the ones to sort of start to push back and be like, actually, we want these kids, our kids to be commune children. We don't, you know, we see now we see these parents that have gone the other way from the child program where they're just always with their parents, always in their nuclear families. But we, but our children are going to be held by everyone, passed around, mm-hmm. lots of primaries, lots of collective child care. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think we've done we've done a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely it's nice at a mealtime to to just be able to hand my baby off yeah, and yeah. go do a bunch of things and then, mm-hmm. you know, find him fifteen minutes later. Yeah. Hi everyone. This is Lily. Our sponsor today is Twin Oaks Hammocks. Lily, what is your favorite thing that we make? Um, I think that um it might be like the soft kind of hammocks, the like the ones that aren't made of rope. Yeah, those would be our sunbrella quilted hammocks. Yes. They're they're very soft against your skin. They're made with like a double layer, so they've yeah. got like a piece of uh, fabric and then like fluffy stuff yeah. sewn in between. That the material that we use for those is called sunbrella. It's a it's a very popular high quality outdoor fabric material. Um so that's why we're able to leave them out all the time and they can get like rained on and they don't just like rot away. Yes. And for hammocks, do you like to just lay back and be calm and take naps on them? Well, I kind of like to do both things. Like sometimes I like to go really fast on them and like swing super high. But sometimes I just like to like be calm on them and yeah, play around. That's great. And Lily, can you tell our listeners what our coupon code is? Well, it is D A D S. That's D A D S. Yep. So that's dads. If you just visit twinoakshammocks.com, you can get 10% off your entire order with that coupon code. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Lily. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay. Bye. I wonder what sort of relationship Ellis and Connor will have in the years to come. They're, you know, they're half siblings and they're fairly far apart, you Mm -hmm. know, five years about. And at least right now, like Ellis loves Connor, like having a little baby is great. and, And he's at this age where he can walk around and do cute things. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, are they going to hang out when one of them is eight and the other's 13? Yeah, it's five years. Or, you know, when the baby's not quite a cute baby anymore, when yeah. he's two and he's, like, getting into the older brother's stuff, uh-huh. or when he can start, like, messing things up, and how do you deal with that, you know, or when they... Well, there's, there's the classic thing of the younger kid feels like they... I mean, the older kid feels like they get less attention from the parents. Mm-hmm. Has that been the experience of either of you? It is definitely the case. Uh, like, I think Catherine does a, a really good job, and she's she has always made it a priority to give Ellis lots of attention, and she continues to make that a priority, but it's the difference between, like, oh... I'm going to spend my whole afternoon with you and I've got a nap with Connor. You go, you know, play some games. Mm-hmm. Like there's just not enough time to, to do that. But I don't think he's taken offense at that. Like uh-huh. he sees that reality and I think still feels very loved by his mother. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when he's with his dad, he's just like one-on-one and they get mm-hmm. all the time they need together. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I think in our case, it's it's almost been the opposite, oddly. Like, because of the demographics of, of, of where the kids have come at Twin Oaks, you know, because Zadok was born in this sort of demographic gap. He doesn't have peers on either side. I think he got a lot more focused attention from us 
for a lot longer. I mean, I think there was a lot longer where almost in a weird way, Mala and I were his peers. And because Sam was born with, you know, much more sort of in a child pack with, you know, with peers just a few months older and a few months younger and in a group. And sometimes I think Sam sort of like resents this idea that like, Zedek got three years of, of focused <laughs> parental attention before he was even born. Yeah. You know, and even so, I think there's, you know, it's funny, Mala and I were just talking about this. Like, we feel like we do a lot more things for Zedek. Like, we're, we're setting up ways for him to be with his friends. You know, so he's got friends in Charlottesville. So we, like set up ways for him to go to Charlottesville or go to camps or go to overnights and have sleepovers or events. Or he's got friends in D.C., you know, at, at the Compersia community. And so we arrange, you know, we set up and arrange ways for him to go up there. Or I took him to Canada to see the family up there last summer. And we're like, well, with Sam, he's just with his friends. And they're just right there on the hall. So, like, we don't have to really do anything out of the way for him. And and sometimes you wonder, gosh, does Sam start to like resent that we're like doing all this extra stuff? Yeah, I mean, he definitely he he jealously guards your attention when when he has it. Yeah, uh, and I think he and you are both in this lucky position of both being really into board games. Like, yeah, you're you're actually on each other's level and mm-hmm. can play interesting things. So I see, like, I see you two as natural hangout partners and yeah, I think yeah that helps you are getting I don't know it seems like quality time Zadig is not as much into board games not really I don't know his his mind sort of floats out on these waves of <laughs> <laughs> I think with Sam there's something about the the application of rules and strategy that's very satisfying to mm-hmm. him that you know within the constraints constraints of these rules you apply these strategies to achieve these outcomes and and he really gets into like trying to break down the nuts and bolts of it and seeing how it works and that's very satisfying to him mm-hmm. where Yeah, and this is where like Zadok is the huge advocate of righty drawy. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. which is right a more just conceptual fun party game. Right. And mm-hmm. and has lots of room for creativity. Yeah, I mean, he's more the sort... I mean, I guess... I mean, this is the other thing with siblings, right? You start to, like, break them down and and sort of cliche them a little bit and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is the kid that does that, and that's the kid that does that. Mm -hmm. And you, you you know, you want to try to make it descriptive and not prescriptive. Yeah, I think they must reinforce each other. We Mm -hmm. talked about this a little bit in the the, um, the Peers episode, too, that was specifically about how the, the question was whether or not Parents are imposing and right. prescribing these differences rather than just describing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my parents were terrible this way. Like, when I was a kid, they were always like, oh, Pete, you know, my brother, he's like the athletic one. <laughs> you know, and Ezra is like the sort of nerdy, you know, bookish, smart one. And Gia is like the popular or artistic one. You know, she can. <laughs> draw in the book and Ezra will read the book and people throw the book. (laughs) You know, and it was years later we were like, you know, we feel like you kind of like stunted our personalities a little bit. Like, oh, you can't do that. That's Pete's thing. It's like, no, I want to run around too. Yeah. Pete's like, I'm not dumb. I just like playing, you know, football. Mm -hmm. I want to, to question the common notion that, that Twin Oaks peers 
are a lot like siblings. Which is something we've been saying on the show. I mean, I think I'm banking on it, right? <laughs> right. Like, we talk about our kids together. Yeah. Like, oh, they're, mm-hmm. they're the same age. They're definitely going to be, like, you know, brother and sister. But mm-hmm. uh, do you have different thoughts about this? It seems like it works sometimes, and it seems like it doesn't other times. Mm-hmm. There's Sam and, and Lily, is that what you're calling yeah, her Lily. now? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this is like an interesting case because Summer and, and Mala were very close friends, lived, you know, you know, on the opposite sides of the same building, were pregnant at the same time. They're like, we're going to have, they're going to have kids. Sam was born, Lily was born within a few months of each other. And mm-hmm. we're like, they're going to be best friends. They're, they're, you know, their moms are best friends. They're so close. And for about six years, nothing. They showed no interest whatsoever. Huh. Partly because Sam was interested in his big brother. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like he had a big brother and that, and whatever Zad was doing, that's what Sam wanted to do. That was his focus. You know, and Lily had the games or the things she was interested in. And Sam was just like, no, not, I'm not interested in it. But then. I just don't, you know, it's it's just hard to see, you know, like, I mean, it's, I guess in some ways it has so much to do with the personalities, you know, there's all the, all the young girls, I don't, I don't even know what their names are on this show, <laughs> you know, there's that like gaggle of young girls that are all yeah, in the like, Lydia and Faith and one Jessica. to three year age range, you know, none of whom are, are biological siblings to each other. But I think there's maybe a good chance that they will have a relationship that is close like sisters. You know, and it's they certainly have enough, like, enforced time in one another's company. They're together all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, with Zad and Sam, I think part of it was, you know, is the thing we had talked about before is them sharing a room. Which is, I do feel like, brings this other element into things. You know, and I think even with kids who are very close, you know, close age peers or close friends, there's a sense of like, this is my family, this is my room, this is my, to a certain degree, this is my life, and this is your life, and we're friends. But, you know, and I think that there's, there still is a, a certain boundary there that's just not there with Zadok and Sam, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember Catherine was thinking for a while about trying to have. Ricky and Ellis share rooms. And yeah, it's weird because I don't think of them as as age peers as much because Ricky's usually Mm -hmm. hanging out with the kids a little older than Mm -hmm. him, but he's actually pretty close in age to Ellis. And they're both half-time kids. They both have a Mm -hmm. parent that lives off the farm. Uh, And that would, you know, it looks like we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Ellis will probably be sharing a room with Connor at some point. Mm -hmm. But I really, I found myself really liking the idea that mm-hmm. that we are doing the family thing different. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not that, like, all of a sudden, Ellis and Ricky would become brothers. Right. You know, again, they're not really friends. But sharing, you know, like, that seems to be a solution mm-hmm. to making sure that all the kids have a room and, and you know, mm-hmm. having the advantage of sharing a room with someone that that we have available to us on the commune that, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't. I had never thought yeah. of the room sharing thing. I was trying to think, as we were talking, of like, okay, what different activities do siblings yeah. do that just age peers here don't? And, yeah, me and my brother, growing up, we shared a room until, I don't know, until I was in, like, second or third grade, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And that definitely strikes me now as a meaningful right. 
familial thing that I yeah. never had with anybody else. And, you know, and even just their stuff. I mean, one thing I, I think about is when, when Zad turned 10, we gave him a laptop as his birthday, as his birthday gift. And that was the first time we'd ever given him something and been like, this is yours. Like, it's not Sam's. Mm-hmm. It is your possession that is all yours. You know, and before that, everything, you know, either of them had got for their birthdays or I mean, we don't really do Christmas, but, you know, birthday gifts, you're like, you get to play with it first. (laughs) (laughs) Like you get first crack at playing with this thing, but then it becomes a shared possession after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, just between the two of them, but even things like, you know, with Ricky. Okay. So recently he went off the farm. He went up to Vermont to visit his family. You know, and I know you guys are going away soon to visit, you know, Ellis's family. So even if it's not like a a possession thing, there's still the sense, you know, it's like one of the things kids understand is like, oh, we've got relatives, you know, that are off the farm. Here's these people that Mm -hmm. don't live at Twin Oaks and related to them. Well, when you're siblings, like... You have those same set of relatives. It's the same people, like, oh, my cousins are your cousins. My grandparents are your grandparents. You know, whatever is functional or dysfunctional about this family, we're kind of in it together. In my case, having a functional side of the family and a dysfunctional side, (laughs) which they get, you know, they get to share, they get to share all of it. So it's sort of subtle things, but it's also like how kids come about their understanding of self, of who they are. You know, it's Twin Oaks, but it's also like, oh, you start to understand I'm related to this web of people in the wider world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sort of like, in the way siblings, it's almost like you're the same person, right? You have all the same relatives. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's a little bit more to personal identity yeah. than, than that. Mm-hmm. But, like, in terms of your family relationships. Yeah. So, Keegan, you and Megan are definitely not thinking about having another kid at some point. We're definitely thinking about it, but it's it's not it's not settled at this point. Yeah. It, it sounds, I mean, you're right. having. Uh, she's got a sister, I've got a brother and a sister, so we both grew up with mm-hmm. siblings, and so it seems like the normal thing. I forget what she said, she never thought about it until, uh, I guess one of the baby books we're using, mm-hmm. like, she had a hard time con- conceiving of, like, okay, like, the amount of love and attention I have to offer seems completely exhausted by the one child, mm-hmm. and she had a hard time, in, like, visualizing how it would even work to have a second yeah. child. Yeah. And the book was like, was kind of reassuring. Like you just, you will fill the space there. Like no yeah. matter there's two kids, there's twice mm-hmm. the love magically available. Yeah. Um, and that's just mm-hmm. how it works. You just find a way to, to use your attention and your love yeah. in a way that will feel natural to you. <laughs> Ezra doesn't buy this. <laughs> but to be, you know, like, okay, there's twice the love, but you know, to is be it, honest, there isn't twice the energy there's and there's the not time. twice the time. Yeah. And there's not twice the attention and part of it is that older kid kid a learns they're not the center of the universe anymore right. yeah and and let's be frank like the sooner you learn that in life the better because when you're a grown up you know you know yeah if you still have that i mean either you're going to be like a successful sociopath mm-hmm. or or people are going to hate you right you know, and I do, you know, not till I get too untouchy feeling or whatever, but I do think that's one of the lessons of having siblings is like, it's not all about you anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's tough. And, you know, and I think some kids resent their younger siblings forever for their entire lives mm-hmm. because, you know, I had like 
uninterrupted access, you know, whether it's to, like, mom's tit or to, you know, the fun and the love until yeah, this, this little... horrible little wrinkled thing came along, and then, <laughs> and then I'm chopped liver. I mean, it's interesting, like, in our case, we did this thing that made a lot of sense for us, but I don't know, other people maybe don't do it, but for about the first year of Sam's life, I did not have a whole lot to do with him. We almost, we kind of split the families for that first year where it was like, Mala basically took care of Sam full time, hmm. and I took care of Zadik full time. You know, where Zad just had, you know, from three and a half to four and a half a year where it was like, every day was a papa day. Wow. Yeah, that's a really, that's a that's a cool strategy. It makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's definitely less that you are capable of doing in the care of an infant mm-hmm. than Mala is. But. Yeah, I mean, this is, I've... You know, in caring for Connor, mm-hmm. well, and Ellis, there's so much inefficiency mm-hmm. built in by trying to split it up. You know, the, the reason we can't pull, you know, Ezra's thing off is because, like, Ellis isn't my kid, and it's important right. for Catherine to have a lot of time with him. Right. But but we lose so much by saying, like, okay, well, you take Connor half the time, I'll take him half the time. Mm-hmm. You take Ellis more than half the time and I'll take him some of the time because mm-hmm. at least you know for the first six months or so I would have to be bringing him to her to, to nurse or whatever yeah. um, and you know bedtime can become difficult I mean yeah I guess these days yeah. I'm pretty good at putting him down but he often likes to suck on his mom's breast to fall yeah. asleep mm-hmm. um, and it's important for me to have shared care and put in roughly mm-hmm. an equal amount of time there. But but that means that we're putting in more hours overall, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you think of it in terms of, you know, as, you know, as twin ochres, we're always, we sort of train ourselves to think in terms of efficiency and, like, efficient <laughs> use of your hours. Like, oh, you have X number of hours of, I mean, it's either X number of hours of childcare or just so many hours that you're, like, awake and coherent uh-huh. is part of it. So you're like, what's going... And, you know, like, frankly, you know, you want to do things other than than be with your kids. You know, you like being with your kids, but, like, you know, as an adult, you have whatever are your, like, social or, like, artistic or sort of professional interests. I don't know how to put... You know, the, there's things you like to do, and you don't want to stop doing them just because you have kids. And then, right, you have a kid, and then you have a second one, and you're like, damn, I can't spend twice as much time taking care of kids because that's all I'd ever be doing. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's good. I mean, it must be nice having kids that are that are the ages of Sam and Zad because you can, yeah. you can just, like, set them loose and go do your own thing. Yeah. You know, right now with Ellis and Connor, it's like most of the time, you know, like we'll have one of us get up in the morning with them and do breakfast right. and get them off to to unicorn school but like if it's in the middle of the afternoon connor needs to be put down for a nap and he often needs someone Mm -hmm. to stay with him while he's napping and Mm -hmm. sometimes we just say okay ellis you can go play in your room or you can like watch videos on youtube um but it's we want to try to give him you know a more engaging life than that and he'll be starting school this fall in -hmm. a serious way and that'll you know, he'll be doing virtual school, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So that will require at least, you know, constant oversight. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a, 
I guess it's kind of a milestone. For the first time a few days ago, I was with the kids after dinner, and I was like really trying to engage them. I was like, hey, do you want to do this? You know, play a game or go outside or, you know, do some reading or drawing or whatever. And for the first time, they were just like, I just could not get any purchase <laughs> with either of them on whatever. They wanted to make Lego Transformers, <laughs> you know, which is kind of an amazing project, actually. Like I've seen their Lego Transformers. They're but, really cool. Yeah. But, you know, I was just like everything I suggested or, you know... Any way I tried to, like, engage with them, they're just like, Dad, we're totally happy. We're doing our thing. We don't need you to be engaged with us. I mean, not that they've never been like that, because before, but usually when I'm, like, usually if I'm, like, doing something else, they're self-entertaining. But it was one of the first times where I was like, hey, I'm here. I really want to interact with you. <laughs> like, let's do something. I've got ideas. And they're just like, no, we're busy. Go, don't do that. Don't you have anything else to do? <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, I guess I do. And that's good. That's a good, that must, you know, on reflection, that's probably mm -hmm. a really good place to be. Like, mm -hmm. knowing that, yeah, there are these situations in which you can go and do your own thing. I mean, another thing, okay, now that I'm sort of thinking, you know, we were talking about sort of these differences between siblings and, and peer groups. And also, you know, there's this idea of the sleepover, right? It's a, a lot of the kids are getting into this now. Yeah, like, so I have uh, an interview with with Lily, and she talks about the sleepover. Mm -hmm. It's now this thing that's in their head. It's like this thing that kids do, and it's really fun. We're going to have a sleepover, and, you know, we stay up, and, and I don't know. You know, when you're a kid, you like having the sleepover. And with that and Sam, sleepover is like, <laughs> that's just what happens. You know, it's like every night they do sleepover. Mm -hmm. About now, it's been about two months that Zad's had his own room, like over a month that it's been fully furnished bed, dresser, desk, everything. He slept in it maybe one night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think like the first week he slept a couple of times just for the novelty, and then he's like, okay, done that. And so they still sleep in the same room every night. Mala and I will be ready to go to sleep, you know, we'll like be in the hallway and hear. <laughs> you know 11 o'clock and finally you know it'd be like quarter past 11 11 30 we're like okay like, lights out. You guys actually have to go well the lights will have been out for like an hour and a half you know and they're just god knows what they're talking about there's a lot of laughing and then occasionally they'll get in a fight and you know one of them will come in like oh, i hate sam and, you know but whatever it is they they talk for one to two hours every night after the after the light is off. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, I feel like they've got this sort of rich, you know, shared world of some sort that even as their parent, I don't particularly have access to it. You know, not more. And I don't even think their, their peers really do. I don't even uh -huh. think, you know, the other kids really fully understand, you know, where they're going with each other. But, you know, they've got this like mind meld, which... I think that's part of it is just is you know sharing a bunk bed every night. Okay. Well, I think we can call that an end and move on to our next segment. Hi everyone. This is Lily. Please consider becoming a patron of Commune Debt by donating through patreon.com for as little as $1 a month. You can keep this podcast running. 
Visit communedads.com slash support to find out more. So, Ezra, we have a segment that we call What's Up on the Farm, or I realize, actually, maybe we called that last episode What's Up on the Commune. What's Up on the Commune. Um, Yours was, it's spring. It's spring, (laughs) yes. Uh, It's really beautiful here during spring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess one of my big relationships with spring is I have lots of allergies, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I've got good good drugs now. so yeah, like things are things are really green. You know, I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks, and so I think there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of stuff that blooms while I'm gone, and then then I come back, and it'll it'll all be here. Mm-hmm. It'll be in summer. I was just coming back from the tofu delivery today and saw the uh, the apple orchard is all in bloom. It's gorgeous. It's so pretty. Yeah, and we've got the I think the I saw the the cherry blossoms mm-hmm. the other day, and that's. Yeah, it's very picturesque. Right. I think my first indication was I was coming back from Charlottesville with Megan and her mother, and there were cows out on the road. Why does that happen in spring? Because the cows are there in one winter pasture the whole winter. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's very unlikely they'll escape until you start trying to move them around from place to place. Um, and so, yeah, we're just right. pulling in the driveway, and there's a bunch of cows just hanging out, <laughs> munching on grass on the side of the road. Yeah, I think, in my mind, like, April 1st is the day you have cows on pasture. And it also just happens to be the beginning of spring. So that's a nice thing we see. I mean, I think from the parenting perspective, you know, really what it means is, one, the kids can be outside at meals, uh-huh. which is hugely, it's like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're inside, you always have to be, you know, especially when they were younger, like always on them. You know, they're not running and screaming and they're not being disruptive and loud and in everybody's way. And, you know, and... People are already, you know, a little bit grumpy when we're all inside. And then when you have a young kid, they're like, can't you control your damn kid? And you're like, I've been controlling my damn kid all day. (laughs) I'm trying to eat some food, you know. And then when, you know, this time comes around, they start getting squirrely. You're like, okay, go outside and run around. Yeah, there's just more space to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Ellis has this place that he calls his treehouse. It's mm-hmm. not like a... When I think of a treehouse, I think of something elevated, mm-hmm. but we actually just have these small trees growing out in mm-hmm. front of our dining hall. Uh, and he used to have one that he, like, I don't know, he started fixing up. He would, like, bring just random crap there, and, you know, mm-hmm. it became this sort of pile of crap. <laughs> uh, and then then Hildegard, who maintains our yards evicted him she was like the, <laughs> the cover crop can't grow here like mm-hmm. you gotta get out of here and so now there's like a slightly further away place that that he mm-hmm. has settled and she's she like picked a tree and helped him mm-hmm. trim branches from it but it's it's hard to get him to eat any food because we'll come we'll all sit down you know and as i said like i'll get distracted with one thing and then you know, I turn around and he's gone. He's already just like outside hanging out. Mm-hmm. What else? The clothing thing, that's huge. You know, all winter you're like swaddling your kids <laughs> yeah. in like layer after layer of clothing and they're fighting and they're crying and they're just like, I don't want to put on a sweater. I don't want to put on my coat. And yeah, I, I remember more with Sam, maybe it was more recent that, you know, at a certain point, you know, maybe when he was one or something, you know, it got to be April. We put a diaper on him 
And we're like, that's it, kid. Like, <laughs> until October, you don't have to wear a stitch of clothing other than the diaper. Wow. And he didn't. He, it's... like, he just ran around in a diaper for eight months, mm-hmm. you know. And it was so nice not to worry about clothing at all. It's in in my family, you know, Catherine and I and our kids are all fairly fair-skinned. Yeah. And Catherine is also, like, a risk-averse, cautious sort of person. So our norm for the summer is they have to wear long sleeves and long pants oh, if no, they're outside. No, no, no. <laughs> and the hat, you uh-huh. know. Right, that's right. You guys are all very swaddled in the... So yeah, what Sam was like, put on your diaper and that's it. Like, <sighs> when it gets to November, then we'll start worrying about shirts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Sersha has also been... She was born August 31st. But for the first couple months, we were mostly just, like, sort of contained here. Um, and so I think of her as, she's been like a winter baby so far. Yeah. And, and Megan is also very risk averse, very particular about the winter mm-hmm. clothing. And so it's been this sudden relief in the spring to have to worry mm-hmm. about it far less. And we've had a couple of days now where she just, we just throw a hat on her and mm-hmm. walk outside and it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, no, I guess that's kind of how we failed as parents. We, we have failed to protect our children from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was like, ah, whatever, I'll be fine. They got mm-hmm. some Indian in them. Okay, let's move on to recommendations. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have Ezra go first. You know, we usually recommend, I think it's often a book or some other piece of media, but also like doing a certain activity or... You've done, I think, two board games. Or Yeah, I've done a couple board games. Um, so you can't do Potion Explosion. We also debuted we The Snot Sucker. It. Was the Snot Sucker one of our things last time? Uh, we, no, we talked about it in stride. <laughs> I'm thinking of, okay, this is like more of like a winter thing. Now it's sort of not seasonal because, but I've been thinking, what are those, oh gosh, what are the, the balls with the marbles inside of them? Oh, this has um, been... oh God, what are they called? Um, you, you're moving Perplexus. In... Perplexus. That, okay, I remember. It's a, okay. So, okay, this is like seasonally not really right because it's sort of an indoor thing that they've been doing. But man, I cannot... It, you know, they say hours of entertainment. And it really is true in this case, though. <laughs> like, like all of the kids, you know, like Sam... And sometimes... I'll come, I'll, I'll go up to the boys' room and Stanley is inside with the perplexes just like <laughs> lost in it. You know, and I think of him as a fairly rambunctious kid, not uh-huh, like, yeah. uh. So explain to the listeners a little bit so about what it it's, is. It's, it's a ball, it's a clear plastic ball with a plastic maze inside. And there's places where there's like ramps that they have to cross or little channels that they have to go along. And you and you turn the perplexus, you turn the the ball, and then some of them are actually like have two hemispheres that that can turn independently of each other. So you can sort of twist it, hmm. and and there's like a series of challenges, or you have there's like a cup, and you have to turn it so it like sort of falls from one cup into another one, and they're and they're numbered, and and they have these fancy ones that'll go up to a hundred. Hmm. Yeah, and, go, and I'm like I'm like in there with the the kids sometimes, and I'm like. I'm just becoming gross, and I like yeah. make it up to number twelve or something. Uh-huh. And Sam's like, "Oh yeah, I beat that one." <laughs> and yeah, we'll get them, and Sam will have spent you know like eighteen hours just <laughs> just en- enmeshed in this perplexus, and he's like, "I did it! I won!" <laughs> I mean, a- I should think of something outdoors, but that's just what came into no, my that's head. Great. Just then. that's a great recommendation. 
for my recommendation, I'm going to tell you all about uh, this favorite game that I play with Ellis and Lydia together. What do we call it? I guess something like the push at or down the hill game. <laughs> uh, they'll stand at the top of you know what they call a mountain. It's really like a four foot hill. It's just mm-hmm. in our backyard where yeah. there's an incline. Uh, and the narrative is they are on the hill and it's an awesome hill and it's theirs and I want to to take it over. So I will charge uh, scare quotes, charge at them uh, and then they they push me back with all their might and I go flying. <laughs> and it's amazing how much they love this. Like, they know it's totally fake, right? Like, they know they're not actually overpowering me. But I think they they love that feeling of, like, really being able to push me away and and send me flying. So I'll usually sort of, like, wake up the next day and feel a little bit sore and not know why. And it's because I've been, like, rolling down this hill repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, the other similar game that Ellis and, and Stanley really like is the Adder Goes to Sleep game, where I pretend I'm asleep and they just smash me until I have to wake up. <laughs> uh, and there's usually, like, water being poured on my face and, like, pushing me off the bed. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a good way for them to, like, to do the, like, physical beat em up thing in a way that's yeah. that's low risk. Like, I'm not going to get hurt. Or if I am, I'm not going to get mad and retaliate. Right. Right. Well, enjoy it while you can, because <laughs> when they're 8 and 11, you can't play... You can't do play fighting anymore, because they will kick your ass. <laughs> I thought Paxus had this oh. thing that uh, he would let his kid punch him whenever Paxus would get punched. And I think this lasted... I mean, I think this is still probably a rule, uh-huh. um, but I think it lasted pretty far. Uh, I guess Pax is just willing to take a punch in the gut. <laughs> I think I've seen it happen, but yeah, I'll still play fight with the boys sometimes. But I am I'm fighting for my life at this point. <laughs> like, like I used to be like, oh, I'm holding back, haha! Isn't it fun to play wrestle with the kids? And now I'm like, man, I gotta like throw them across the room because they're like coming after. Them. They're like, yeah, they're strong. Yeah, the only thing I can think of. So you're talking about like games that are fun to play, and I definitely have this experience constantly of like. I'm discovering games to play mm-hmm. with Sarasha rather than having some mm-hmm. stock of yeah. games that I can play. I think it's because I was I'm the youngest of three, and so I never mm-hmm. I never played with babies. You know, babies weren't a part of my yeah. life, and so like yeah, so we do play a lot of games. We play the I push you over and you fall down, and it's funny because <laughs> you're on a soft surface, and then mm-hmm. she laughs and whatever, or like the you know. I'm like, she's like standing on my legs and I let her kind of fall towards me and I stop her right before she hits me and she thinks that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm making these up on the fly and it would be nice if there was some list of these. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure if I go on YouTube and I say like baby games, I could get them. Yeah, but maybe, I mean, it sounds like your recommendation is something like figure games out with your child. Like you don't need this list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, right. Maybe that's my recommendation. Uh, I mean, those two games have gotten me very far. The you're falling down backwards and the you're falling down forwards game. <laughs> um, right, I guess I just like, right, I see people that are good with kids. I feel like that's the stock of things they have in their head. They're like, what do kids enjoy? Mm-hmm. And I came into this, I mean, I, I dealt with kids a lot, but not with babies. Mm-hmm. And so I can entertain a six year old, but I don't know if I can entertain 
you know, an infant. And so I feel like it's been something that I've had to learn on the go. Okay, well, that's our show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Ezra, for coming on. on. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure to uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh, Visit communedads.com to comment on our episodes. Yes. Uh, And uh, consider becoming a patron on patreon.com and supporting the show. Thank you, everyone.